The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Welcome to the show, and I am live in Chicago at HCSC Healthcare Service Corporation, uh, a wonderful company that wants to make a stand for Americans with disabilities. So excited to be here with them. And in addition, I want to say hello to my friends from PepsiCo, uh, Molly, who I saw earlier today, um, another company that's wanting to make a difference in America. And I guess you would say that's what this show is about today, making a difference in America. Uh, I'm going to tell you ahead of time, you know, this show is very personal to me. <clears throat> At first I was nervous about doing the show because I know how, how emotional I feel about all of this. But then I remembered that we are celebrating a life and that we have a chance to make a difference. And why I'm saying that is one of our guests, Amy Hawthorne, is my cousin, my friend, my flower girl, one of the closest people to me beyond a relative that I love so much. And one of the reasons we're doing this show is because she lost her husband, Paul, to amyloidosis. Um, and and that's, that's really what got us all behind making a change in America for people dealing with this. And Amy was also kind enough to get in touch with her doctor, Dr. Comenzo, who is also with us today. Um, and he is the medical director of the Blood Bank Stem Cell Processing Laboratory and the Neely Cell Therapy and Collection Center at Tufts Medical Center, but also an attending physician in the Division of Hematology, Oncology, and Departments of Medicine and Pathology. Um, I, a real specialist in this area. But um, as I said, very personal for me. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joyce. It's great to be here. Well, it's wonderful to have you. And Dr. Comenzo, uh, it's also an honor to have you with us today. The honor's mine, Joyce. Well, Amy lost her husband, Paul, in December 2008. And I will tell you, it was a great tragedy and still is for all of us. But I want to tell you about Amy. Remember I told you Amy has a lot in common with me, and I'm like the civil rights crusader in the family, but Amy's right there with me and always has been, and she made a decision to become an advocate to give back and to help in, in the area of a cure and fighting amyloidosis. And, uh, Amy, I know this is hard for both of us, but as I said, I'm viewing this as a celebration of Paul's life, so we're going to start with you. How about if you tell our listeners how this all started, and what you went through. Sure. Um, like many who, uh, pretty much everyone, I think, <laughs> these days who has been impacted by this disease, um, I didn't know what it was until we were, nor did Paul, until we were told of his diagnosis. 
Um, it was he had had a series of uh, sort of what I would call strange and frightening health issues um, for several months, um, culminating in um, an unexplained stroke um, in uh, April of 2008, a month before our second child was born. Um, when that happened, uh, we sort of felt as if we had dodged a bullet in one way because he didn't have any residual damage from the stroke, but none of the doctors he saw could figure out why it happened. Why would this otherwise healthy 40-year-old man um, have a stroke? You know, it just didn't, it's, none, none of it added up. Um, and um, it took quite some time for his diagnosis to occur, which is also a very common issue. I don't think we were alone in that. I think Dr. Comenzo can talk about that. That's uh, one of the big problems is is that it's it's a disease that's difficult to diagnose. Um, and uh, when his diagnosis finally did uh, confirm that he had primary amyloidosis, uh, we didn't we didn't know what it was, and then we quickly realized how serious it was and how difficult it was to find an expert to treat the disease. Um, so uh, that diagnosis came, I guess, about five months after his, um, five or six months after the stroke, and. Um, you know, he, he uh, we were relieved when we when we found Dr. Comenzo right in our backyard, as it were. And at uh, he, at that time, he was in New York City at Memorial Sloan Kettering. So he saw us quickly and mobilized very quickly to get Paul a stem cell transplant, um, which did go very well. Um, and I can I guess I'll leave it to Dr. Comenzo to explain some more of the ins and out of the disease. But but the Paul took a bad turn after the transplant because of. Um, uh, his kidneys failed, and uh, the disease impacts your organs, and um, so he was he was suffering from um, you know he was on dialysis, he was getting chemo treatments, and his heart was getting weaker and weaker, um, and unfortunately we lost him uh, in December of 2008 uh, uh, due to cardiac arrest as a result of you know the, the complications from amyloidosis. And you know, folks, there are people in life that go through terrible tragedies, and this is, of course, a terrible, terrible tragedy that become better, turn into themselves. And then there are people like Amy who make a decision to give back and do something about it. And let me tell you, she is a rare and wonderful person. And Dr. Comenzo, I guess you would know that since you have, were the person um, helping both of them but for our listeners throughout the world, maybe you can talk about, you know, since this is so hard to diagnose, what are some of the first signs of amyloidosis, and then how is it finally diagnosed? Yes. First of all, let me just say that I remember very clearly the day I met Paul and Amy. I think it was around the 28th of August, 2008, <laughs> and exactly it right. was it was very clear that Paul was was quite sick, um, and had uh, two organs that were affected: the kidneys and the heart, uh, and also had uh, this unusual clotting problem, uh, for which he had been treated with some blood thinners, um, and it was the clotting problem that. Um, I think contributed to the strokes uh, that he had had to the to the uh, uh, to those issues, and they it, it probably was related to slow 
blood flow in particular areas of the heart where uh, blood could pool and perhaps form small clots. But Paul's presentation with amyloid was actually um, uh, unique in many ways, not only with respect to the uh, blood clotting and stroke issues, but also given his age, he was very young. And when young people get sick with amyloid, it is often the case that doctors don't diagnose it as, as quickly as one would hope. Now, in terms of the patient, him or herself, there are different types of amyloidosis, but the types do all involve end organ damage. That is to say, all types of amyloidosis can affect the body's organs, and classically the organs that are affected are the kidneys, and the kidneys amyloid deposits can cause loss of protein that's easily picked up with a urinalysis, and indeed patients with kidney amyloidosis are often diagnosed fairly early in the course of their disease because the protein in the urine almost always leads to a kidney biopsy. And <clears throat> amyloid is a, is a disease which requires a tissue biopsy, and that link between protein in the urine and the willingness of kidney doctors to figure out what's going on serves amyloid patients very well. About 3% of all kidney biopsies done in the United States show amyloidosis. The other major organ that uh, can be involved with amyloidosis is the heart. And this is critical because the heart is such an important organ. The initial symptoms that patients might experience usually relate to exercise tolerance. Patients can get a little more short of breath walking up the same hill to get the mail. Uh, other symptoms include swelling of the ankles, for example, uh, and uh, um, a lightheadedness on standing up because the heart doesn't increase its, its rate uh, as it would normally because amyloid affects the nerves going to the heart as well as the heart itself. Another major organ of presentation is the uh, peripheral nervous system. Now, that's to be distinguished from the brain and the central nervous system. The peripheral nervous system uh, includes the nerves that control blood pressure, heart rate, digestion, and elimination. And when abnormalities of those nerves occur, patients can get lightheaded on standing, for example, and, and have to grab onto something or may actually faint. Patients can have either severe diarrhea or severe constipation as the GI tract is involved. Patients can have difficulty actually swallowing food and getting it down to the stomach easily because the nerves that control that part of digestion aren't working and the muscles don't get direction from the nerves. And uh, when patients present with peripheral nervous system involvement, they often uh, are evaluated by uh, neurologists and sometimes by uh, use of tests like a tilt table uh, test to determine if the patient has uh, a, a peripheral nervous system problem. The other major organs of involvement are the liver. 
uh, and the uh, and the GI tract. Now, when the liver and GI tract are involved, the liver gets big. Patients can experience uh, fullness after eating just a few bites of a meal because the liver presses on the stomach and prevents the stomach from accommodating uh, food. Uh, another symptom is uh, pain in the upper part of the stomach on the right side or uh, pain in the right shoulder because of expansion of the liver. Uh, and the problems in the GI tract often involve uh, bleeding, which can cause some blood with the stool, as well as uh, diarrhea uh, and rarely constipation with liver and GI involvement. Uh, the uh, other organs that are affected classically are the soft tissues and the tongue. And by soft tissues, I mean the muscles, the joints, uh, the wrists. Um, the uh, involvement of the tongue involves enlargement of the tongue. Uh, to the point where speech is affected, swallowing is affected, and patients know something is wrong, and there can be a fullness under the chin as well. Now, the most important feature of figuring out that a patient has amyloidosis when the patient comes to the doctor's attention is for the doctor to think of the disease, because by thinking about the disease, the doctor will obtain a tissue biopsy. We're very fortunate that certain tissues can be used as substitute or surrogate tissues to make the biopsy of amyloid to make the diagnosis of amyloidosis by biopsy. And one of the major surrogate tissues is fat from the abdominal area. Uh, and a small piece of fat can be obtained quite easily with a syringe and a large bore needle and staining that small globule of fat on a slide with a stain for amyloid called Congo Red will tell you whether or not there is amyloid in the tissues. Well, so wait, hold on one minute there, Dr. Comenza, and we'll be right back. But we've got to go to break for a minute. Um, and I really appreciate you explaining this so well because we're getting comments from Twitter and Facebook everywhere about what you're talking about. And we will be right back with Dr. Comenzo. If you just joined us, we're talking to Dr. Raymond Comenzo and Amy Hawthorne about amyloidosis. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters. We'll be right back. Don't go away. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Get ready for a show that breaks ground on the subject of women in motorsports and what it takes to dream, believe, achieve. Gas and Go with Alio is all about the movement that is happening lightning fast in women's racing. You'll get a wide array of perspectives from the drivers to the fans, as well as what it takes to be a role model in a male-dominated sport. 
Join your host, professional driver Allie Owens, for Gas and Go with Allie O. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Power Up Motorsports Channel. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. Hey, if you just joined us, we have Amy Hawthorne, my friend, who I love so much, my relative who lost her husband to amyloidosis and who is mounting a crusade here trying to help others with Dr. Raymond Comenzo, a nationally known expert in the area of amyloidosis. And Amy, first for you, before we go to this next uh, question for Dr. Comenzo, we are live on Facebook and Twitter and we are also receiving emails. And the question I have here is uh, from Maine, from Ascendi. Amy, first of all, thank you so much for doing this. It's unbelievable what you're doing, helping others. I have to ask you, what, what gave you the ability to turn this around and speak out to help other people? Um, well, I mean, I, I think that it's difficult uh l- losing paul is was a transformative thing that i still am you know i i i know you made a comment earlier choice you know some people retreat and get bitter i i think i do have some bitterness still i mean that's probably going to be there forever um you know i he was uh the world to me um so i i uh i deal with that um in various ways, but I find that one of the things that is so incredible was such an incredibly um, affirming thing that happened when Paul died is how many people supported me, um, strangers, friends, um, and um, what became really apparent was what a positive impact he had on so many people's lives. And, you know, he was the kind of person who would help you uh, in you know, in, without hesitation. Um, so I guess this is sort of a way to reflect uh, that, you know, after his passing. Um, it's it's a way to honor him and to honor kind of who he was and what he stood for. Yeah, and and just so we don't forget about this, let's just right now 
tell everyone, Amy, what we're doing. What are we doing in New York? What do we have coming up here? Oh, thanks for mentioning. My um, on uh, on July 18th, uh, there's going to be a team of 43 people uh, com- completing the New York City Triathlon, uh, which is a big, you know, event in New York, an Olympic-length triathlon, and uh, I assembled a team of 43 very brave souls. Uh, who are going to compete in the race and raise money for the amyloidosis foundation. So we're excited about that. Um, we've got, you know, we've got some people doing the entire event, all three legs, and then the, the, uh, I guess, you know, more, <laughs> more, uh, more mortals among us, uh, who are going to do just one leg of the, of the, uh, of the event. And, and it's Paul's Posse. Yeah, Paul's Posse is the name, and, um, I have a web address that I could give at the end about, that has more information about it. You can give it right now. Okay, it's uh, amyloidosis, which is A M Y L O I D O S I S dot org slash Pauls, P A U L S, Posse, all one word, P A U L S P O S S E dot A S P. Sorry, All right, you know long. what? And you can make a contribution. Yeah, you can do it. You can pick up that pen and make a contribution. <laughs> doesn't right. remember. I don't care what it is. You know, I live with epilepsy, and you know what I always tell people: unless you've been through this, you don't understand. But we understand people with disabilities. We understand. So pick up the pen, make a contribution. Doesn't have to be. You know, I don't care if it's five dollars. I don't care what it is but make a contribution. And so all of my listeners, you're all sitting there and you're wondering, wow, you mean Joyce Bender's going to be in the New York Triathlon? And the answer is no, I'm not even that <laughs> mortal that's doing the one segment. I am going to be with Amy's sister doing the pasta party. <laughs> <laughs> Which is equally important to, you know, as, as, as equally important as anything. So. Yes, it is, is equally important. But when Amy first called me, I said, Amy, I hope you don't think I can swim in the Hudson because this is not going to happen. But I have to tell you that people in my own company and my husband, Mary, Paula, Bill, they're all in this. So we're all excited about this. And I, I just think it's, I think it's fantastic. I Thank do. You. I think it's a fantastic thing. So, Dr. Comenza. Yes, Joyce. Amyloidosis, can it be yes. cured, and what are the treatment options? Okay. So the, the first thing, once it's been diagnosed, is to figure out what type of amyloid it is. The most common type of amyloid is actually a type called uh, free light chain amyloid, and uh, that is uh, abbreviated AL, and that's the type that uh, Paul had. And that type of amyloid is due to a small number of cells in the bone marrow. And the treatment uh, for uh, that type of amyloid is to eliminate those uh, cells in the bone marrow called plasma cells and allow the body to begin the process of healing itself. So the treatment is chemotherapy. And with some of the newer medicines that we have and with um, a, uh, an older medicine called Melphalan used either in stem cell transplant or as a pill, amyloid can be cured uh, a fraction of the time. It can? Yes. 
But not always, obviously. But not always. So, With so we cells. know this is something that I will, I'll tell you what I say to people with epilepsy, is that I'm glad Dr. Kamenz is on here because, you know, if you're living with epilepsy, you need to go to a doctor that specializes in epilepsy because, you know, that's how you're going to really know what type of epilepsy you have and what you need to do. Same thing here. I'm so honored to have Dr. Kamenzo on because now you, you know of someone that does specialize in this and I think that is so awesome to have him on and talking about it. So, Amy, you, you did work with a support group, and I wanted to ask you, um, if someone is listening to the show right now going through this, uh, would you recommend they do that? What's your opinion about that? Uh, sure. I think that one of, you know, there's a great um, uh, organization called the Amyloidosis Support Network that you can find on Google that, um, organizes local sort of chapter-based events uh, where doctors like Dr. Comenzo or other experts in the field will come and speak to uh, people living with and battling this this disease um, and also those who have, um, you know, beat it or, or put it into remission or those like, like me who... who who survive uh, after losing someone to it. Um, it's a really good resource uh and um there you know there's nothing like i guess uh reaching out and communicating with people who are, who are going through what you're going through so they do a fantastic job virtually connecting you with people who are going through this very rare experience um and then of course you know uh, um there there are all kinds of uh uh, support services offered at Sloan Kettering that we that we took advantage of from the social worker network there and and um, uh, after Paul passed um, uh, I you know I, I I'm a big proponent of of uh, getting help when you need it so I also joined a a, a support a bereavement support group um, during you know about six months after he passed I joined that and that was an in person exercise. So those were all very useful. I mean, it's different for different people. I think it's a, clearly it's a personal thing um, that you have to have, you know, some people aren't comfortable sitting in front of a group of people sharing very personal details, but it, it worked It worked for me and I thought it was advantageous. And also, Amy has two absolutely fantastic children, um, Max and Lucas, and how old are they now? How old are they? Um, Max is five and a half, and Lucas is two. Um, and and how how is Max dealing with this? Um, <laughs> well, kids are you know he's 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 they're both fantastic kids, uh, no matter what. I do think Max has, um, you know there there are sort of difficult moments where I'm not sure what he remembers about his dad, but I just in, I encourage him as often as possible to dialogue about it and I and and try to keep Paul's memory alive and that sort of thing. It's not an easy thing to quite decipher with 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 a child so young. Mm-hmm. Um but we're, you know, we we do our best. Well, I love Max and Lucas so much. I love them. And I'm Aunt Joyce, and Aunt Joyce loves them. And I will so much look forward to seeing them um, at our uh, upcoming event in New York. And one thing I wanted to mention, uh, Amy, is there's a restaurant in New York that you know the people that own it. What's the name of that restaurant? 
Oh, DeAndrea, yeah. DeAndrea, where where is that? I think it's on uh, <laughs> West West 13th Street, I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, for anyone lis- listening to the show that lives in New York, this restaurant is phenomenal. And listen, I'm Italian, and when I say I like the sauce somewhere, you know it must really be good. So I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that restaurant uh, because I also know they've been a good friend to Amy, um, and and they really do have have a fantastic place. Dr. Comenza, I want to talk to you about research because I know that without research, it's like with epilepsy or Alzheimer's or anything, you know, you can't really make a change. What, what, What is the amount of research going on in this area? And do you feel there's something in the future that can offer hope for a cure? Yes. Uh, There is active research going on in all types of amyloidosis. The uh, fact of the matter is that despite there being multiple types, it remains a rare disease for the most part. There are new companies, however, that have gotten interested in some of the subtypes of amyloid. For example, there's a company called Foldarex that's interested in hereditary amyloid uh, and has developed a a drug that's gone through clinical trials for that disease and has done a lot of research for that disease. And there are pharmaceutical companies like Millennium uh, that have uh, supported a lot of research in light chain or AL amyloid. So I think the, uh, the future for research supported by pharmaceutical companies, is actually fairly bright and is connected to drugs that actually work to help patients. So I suspect the, um, uh, the patient of the future will have new agents available uh, to him or her and will benefit from the ongoing research. There is not a lot of basic research in amyloid except in a few laboratories across the country. Uh, well, actually, I have a question for for you, uh, Dr. Comenza, from a Richard in Philadelphia saying, uh, Dr. Comenza, there has to be a tie-in with the amyloid protein uh, and Alzheimer's with amyloidosis. Has there been any work looking at how Alzheimer's is correlated to amyloidosis? Well, you know, amyloidosis is a term for abnormalities that proteins can develop. Uh, certain abnormalities of folding and deposition that proteins can develop. And the type of amyloid that we're talking about today has nothing to do with the amyloid deposits associated with Alzheimer's disease. Mm. So the category of, uh, of the protein abnormalities uh, is shared by the, by the two types, systemic amyloidosis and Alzheimer's disease. But the uh, presentation and the treatments are completely different, and patients with systemic amyloidosis like Paul are not at increased risk for Alzheimer's disease. The proteins that are deposited as amyloid in both of those cases are completely different. Yeah, that's very interesting. Well, um, Amy, I know that you have our event coming up. When again is that in New York, Amy? July 18th, bright and early, Sunday, July 18th, uh, the New York City Triathlon. And so if you, even if you don't can't contribute, you can come and cheer if you're in the New York area. That's right, Paul's Posse. Right. You can come and cheer us on, um, and hopefully we'll all survive, and I, I know that we will. We're all excited about this. But, Amy, uh, you also did another thing that I wanted to talk to you about. You had a blog through this whole thing. 
And I wanted to ask you, you know, how did that help you? Um, Well, Paul and I started a blog uh, when he was first diagnosed uh, because we were both living in, you know, we were living as a family, and I continue to live in the New York area, and our our, um, extended family and our parents were all back in the western Pennsylvania area. So it was a way to keep everyone far and wide updated on what was happening. Um, and he, we, we collaborated on it and po- both posted to it for a while. And um, as he got sicker and, and was just so depleted, I, I really kept it up. Um, it was actually a great way for me to make sure I understood what I was being um, told by his various caregivers because I could, I could, you know, I like to write, so and, and and it's often a way to simplify my thoughts, just to put them to paper. So it was a way to kind of literally lay out what was happening um, in a clear way. It helped me to understand it. It helped his family and friends to understand it, and it also helped me to just sort of express some of the uh, emotion and complexity of what we were going through on a daily basis. So it was cathartic, uh, for sure. Um, and then I kept it up after he died um, because I didn't want to give it up. It became a real, uh, just a real source of release for me. Um, I don't post as often as I used to, but I do still, uh, I do still post things there as uh, as I'm inspired to do so. Yeah, and it should be turned into a book because it's fantastic. Oh, thank you. It really is. It is fantastic. Um, I I really think that did help because. You know, as you said, it's a way of keeping everyone else informed, but also for you, I think that was great. And I, I think for anyone listening to the show that it would be great. Uh, but, Dr. Comenzo, we have a lot of questions coming in here. Okay, here we go. Could, could I just make uh, a comment about what Amy just said? Yes, go ahead. And that is that there were terrifying moments in Paul's illness that happened in the quiet of the night when he would get very sick, and, and there were several times when he actually blacked out. And uh, Amy had to deal with that nighttime terror and dealt with it in a, in a superhuman fashion, because uh, it was obvious to me as she told the accounts of what had happened just how, how quaking uh, she was. And yet she did everything that she could in those moments to make sure that help came and that Paul got uh, the um, the care he needed. Uh, and, you know, one of the last conversations that I had with Amy and Paul was about these events, and it still echoes in, in my head uh, because it was an event like that that actually uh, uh, took Paul's life. Yes, she is an amazing woman, isn't she? Yes. Thank you. Yeah, she's one of my favorites. No doubt about that, but she is a courageous, amazing person that is helping you and helping others right now. Uh, Dr. Comenzo, a question here from a TED in California is, is there a specific age where this happens more frequently to people than others? Uh, the answer to that simply is yes. Amyloid is, uh, in many respects, a disease of aging, 
and a particular type of amyloid that occurs in older men goes by the term senile systemic amyloid. It doesn't mean that the people who get it are senile. It simply refers to the fact that it, it occurs in older people. The median age for patients who get the type of amyloidosis, AL amyloidosis, that Paul had is 63. And it's actually fairly uncommon in people under the age of 50, which, which highlights the, the uniqueness and tragedy of Paul's case. I see. Well, whenever you are dealing with people that do have this, what are the lifestyle or home remedies that you recommend, Dr. Comenzo? Yeah, that's a good question, Joyce. I think there are simple things that people can do. People who have heart failure as a patient, I saw this afternoon, uh, can restrict their intake of salt if that's possible because excess salt in the diet is retained and causes swelling of the body, classically of the legs. And patients who have nervous system involvement who get lightheaded easily, although they may be on medicine to support their blood pressure, if they get excessively lightheaded, should always have a bottle of water with them so they can drink 8 to 16 ounces of water and try to compensate for the drop in their blood pressure. Those are two uh, common sense remedies that we do recommend to patients. Uh, other remedies are simple ones, and that is for elderly men with the disease who get lightheaded with urination, sit down to urinate. Um, and uh, the uh, recommendation for people who have large livers who get full easily is not to eat, try to eat three meals a day, but rather eat six or eight small meals a day. Okay. Um, and... From a Nancy in Kansas, the question is, can you tell me if this is hereditary? There is a type of amyloidosis that is hereditary. And we don't know quite how many people have that type, but we do know that there is a common hereditary variant in African Americans and that 4% of African Americans carry the abnormal gene that can cause amyloid. Uh, and we don't know how frequently the disease occurs, but we, we suspect it occurs frequently in patients who carry the gene. Of course, in that instance, it is also a disease of aging. So often patients don't really get sick until they're in their 60s or 70s. So people in their 60s or 70s could think they have a kidney problem or a heart problem or all these other issues or a stroke uh, it, when really it is amyloidosis. Uh, yes, and that's why it's important for the doctor who's looking after you to think of the diagnosis and consider getting a tissue biopsy if your symptoms warrant it. So since that is the situation, it is then possible that this number of people that have this is not correct, the number told. Uh, that, that is true. For certain types, for the senile type and the hereditary type, we're not entirely sure how common those are. For the light chain type, we have a fairly good sense that about three to 4,000 patients a year in the United States uh, get AL or light chain amyloid, the type that Paul had. Although it's, we suspect it's becoming more common because patients with the category of plasma cell diseases that can be linked to amyloid are living longer due to advances, and they may be at greater risk for developing AL amyloidosis late in the course of their disease. 
Well, Amy, we're talking about this so much, but, you know, it's all because of one person that we're talking about this, and that is Paul. So I thought maybe you would want to take a few minutes and talk about Paul. Sure. Um, Paul was... um, Like what he did for a living. Paul was a professional photographer. Um, He was one of those amazing and unusual people who knew, I think, his whole life what he wanted to do and what he was passionate about and it was it had always it had almost it had pretty much been photography from the time he was very young um he was a photojournalist uh trained at the art institute and then uh enrolled uh, or enrolled <laughs> and then enlisted in the navy um to um they have a very prestigious photography program there the the combat camera group and um so he spent time in the service uh, during the first uh, Gulf War and was part of the combat camera unit and, um, you know, credited a lot of his photography training to that, his photography skill and just overall life training to that experience. Um, and then he continued working as a photojournalist um, regionally in Philadelphia and in Pittsburgh for a number of years. And then when um, he moved to New York, he um, he took uh, on some photo editing jobs at the Associated Press. Um, so he uh, he was worked the international desk, so he used to brag that he could name every world leader by just looking at their face uh, and could identify them. And then um, through some connections, he got into the world of uh, entertainment photography, which, as we all know, is pretty lucrative, is, the, is among the more lucrative forms of media these days. And... Um, then he suddenly could name every rap artist and actress by by face. Uh, so he had a, it really brought him to a lot of interesting places. He liked, you know, he really enjoyed that 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 uh, last. I guess the last four or five years of his life, he was working almost solely in the world of entertainment, which crossed into things like politics and covering. You know, he covered red carpet events all the time and award ceremonies and. Um, uh, sports events, and he really, um, uh, you know, met some of his heroes and some of my heroes, and it became. A, and he also developed some really amazing friendships with the New York core of photographers that he worked with all the time. Um, that, to me, was one of the great testaments uh, to him. Was that were some of the things that his fellow photographers did to rally around him. Um, including a book that his friend uh, created uh, in his honor that called the Photographer Project, which, which was uh, really something to see. So, so it that is was fantastic. Yeah. And we will talk more about that in a minute. But right now we have to go to break. If you just joined us, we are talking to Dr. Raymond Comenzo about amyloidosis and to Amy Hawthorne, I believe, an advocate and civil rights leader in this area. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters. We'll be right back after break with Amy and Dr. Comenzo. Don't go away. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Women in business today face many challenges in advancing their careers and reaching their goals. There are corporate executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners that have made their mark in business. Now you can learn their secrets and tips. Listen to Women Mean Business as your host, Bonnie Marcus, explores how to thrive in the business environment, navigate the workplace, and climb the corporate ladder. Listen live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and effectively promote yourself today. Are you a wow? A wise, outrageous woman of a certain age who wants thrilling work, vibrant health, joyful relationships, financial freedom, and the new F word, fun, in the next stage of life? Join host Lynn Schreiber in the Wow Zone each week where you'll meet amazing women who are creating lives filled with passion, purpose, and pizzazz. In the Wow Zone, broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Anything is possible. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. You know, I'm not going to lie about this. This has been a very... personal show for for me, for Amy, for Dr. Comenzo, but, you know, we are celebrating Paul's life, and what got me my perspective is I thought, you know what, I know Paul's with us, but, we, but as long as we keep talking about Paul and as long as we keep doing this, we are keeping that spirit of his going, and so that is what we're going to do, and that's why I'm so excited with what we have coming up. Now, Amy, if someone's listening to the show right now and they want to make a contribution, could you tell them again how to do that? Sure. The um, the the triathlon team raising money for the Amyloidosis Foundation, we have a page uh, online at www.amyloidosis, which I'll spell A-M-Y-L-O-I, D-O-S-I-S dot org forward slash Paul's Posse, P-A-U-L-S-P-O-S-S-E dot A-S-P. Okay. And also, Amy, I wanted to ask you, and I'm sorry I didn't before, you work also, so you work obviously then with the foundation, with the Amyloidosis Foundation. Yeah, well, this, yes, on on a sort of, you know, voluntary basis. I mean, I have a... Um, my my day job too that pays the bills, but but yeah, this um, this idea was born out of talking to um, uh, Mary O'Donnell, who is the president of the foundation, and um, uh, also some friends who had done um, other charitable athletic events in the past. Um, mm-hmm. My one friend in particular. Uh, um, 
connected me with the triathlon organization because she had done a lot of work with them um, for the American Cancer Society, I believe, uh, after her mother passed away. So she thought that it would be a good outlet for, um, you know, a good way to raise awareness. And it is. It is so often. And and, uh, one one other question I wanted to ask you, Dr. Comenza. How many places or facilities in the United States offer the stem cell treatment for amyloidosis? Actually, it's widely offered, Joyce. Uh, There are only a few facilities uh, such as uh, Sloan Kettering and Boston Medical Center and Mayo Clinic where there are actual protocols that patients can uh, enroll on to get stem cell transplants. But there are many stem cell transplant facilities across the country uh, that do offer stem cell transplant for the patients with AL who are well enough to undergo that procedure, which is only about 25% of patients at diagnosis. Okay, well, you know what? We have a caller on the line. Philip, are you on the line? Yes, I'm here. Okay, go ahead. Philip from Boston, go ahead. Hi, Dr. Comenzo. Thank you for, for doing this. And thanks oh, you're to welcome, Philip. Um, I have a question, well, two questions, if we can squeeze them in. Um, first, is there a current study which tracks uh, serum-free light chain response in the weeks and months immediately following high-dose melphalan and stem cell transplant in order to determine the durability of the first such treatment and the appropriateness of a second uh, adventure, shall we call it? And that is if the free light chains return to nearly the starting value within several months, it would not appear advisable to have a patient go through high-dose melphalan and stem cell transplant again. But if um, uh, free light chains go low and stay low, then it would appear to be worth the risk of a second try. I'm just curious if there's a current study that that tracks that data immediately following that, uh, uh, that procedure. And I, I actually think that there are many places that use the serum-free light chain and track it within real time, as, as you describe, after patients have had either stem cell transplant or serially uh, cycles of, of treatment. Uh, I don't think the use of stem cell transplant back-to-back, a tandem transplant for AL amyloid, is routinely offered at uh, centers across the country. The only center that has really studied this is Boston Medical Center. And it's not caught on because in this day and age, it's not necessary to have a second transplant uh, if the first transplant doesn't work or if it doesn't work as well as you might hope. We have other drugs that can be given to patients that can increase the response rate that is to say, they can markedly decrease the free light chains without the ordeal and the risk of a second transplant. There's a mortality associated with stem cell transplant. Right. Yeah. And Philip, I just want to tell I'm you how much I appreciate you calling drug. in. <laughs> but unfortunately, we're getting close to ending the show. Um, but I'm sure if you can get back in touch with us, we'll be happy to send more questions on to Dr. Comenzo. Thank you so much for calling in. I wanted to ask you, Amy and Dr. Comenzo, uh, everyone that's been on this show have asked the next question, everyone for the past six years. We'll start with you, Dr. Comenzo. What would you consider as your proudest accomplishment in your life? Well, uh, in my professional life, the answer is really bittersweet 
because Paul was on a protocol in which we used stem cell transplant followed by one of the new drugs, uh, bortezomib or Velcade, and dexamethasone. And, and that protocol has resulted in complete response rates at a year in two-thirds of the patients who were on the study. Unfortunately, there were a handful of patients with cardiac involvement like Paul who didn't uh, survive uh, long enough uh, on the trial. And uh, my proudest accomplishment is that trial that Paul was on. And uh, unfortunately, he, uh, he, it didn't benefit him as, as much as it benefited others. Okay. And how about you, Amy? Um, I suppose, you know, uh, I'm most proud of, uh, of my family and uh, the fact that I've held it together uh, after going through losing Paul. Um, my relationship with him was a was a it was something I was also pretty proud of. Uh, so um, it was tough to lose that. Um, but I have my sons and myself and my others in my family who do and friends who do so much to help. Um, so I guess just holding it together <laughs> and uh, finding the finding the resolve to uh, do things like this. Um, and and get and put some positivity out there in the world. Oh, and Amy, I love you so much. So. Let me tell you about her. She is a champion. You know, I mean, what she's doing, even getting on here. It was her idea, by the way, that told me, yeah, we should talk about this and have Doctor Comenzo on. And you know, that wasn't easy to do. But Amy, that's what I mean about when I said, no matter what you say. There are people that when things happen, they have never been able to give back the way you have. Um, and I know you will continue doing that, and I am just so proud of you. Thank you. And I'm proud you were my flower girl, too. <laughs> <laughs> I wore a well, pretty fancy outfit, as I recall. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dr. Comenzo, uh, I'm going to ask both of you. I'll ask you first, Dr. Comenzo. What message would you like to leave with our listeners today? I think the, the message is, is real simple, and that is that uh, uh, the uh, uh, techniques we have to diagnose and treat amyloidosis are improving, but that there are still patients with heart involvement, like Paul Hawthorne, who unfortunately uh, die of the disease, and we have to advance research and therapy so that fewer of those patients die in the future. Yes, and by the way, Dr. Comenzo, I want to thank you, and all of our listeners want to thank you for taking time to be on this show today and talk about this very important subject. Thank you so much. It was an honor, Joyce. Thank you. It was an honor to be on with Amy. And Amy, what message would you like to leave with our listeners? Ah, oh, boy. Um, I, I suppose the message would be thank you for listening and um, uh, uh you know, and I all everything I think it's hard to sort of articulate uh, all the things that are going through my head right now. But I would say um, thank you to for listening, and thank you for those like Dr. Comenzo who are out there really um, doing wonderful things for a community of people that uh, that that needs help. 
Well, I'll tell you what. We end the show, every show for the past six years, with a famous quote, a quote from a famous civil rights leader or someone making a difference in America. But I changed my mind. First time in six years today. Because this is still a famous quote as far as I'm concerned. And here it is. Paul's posse annihilating amyloidosis. <laughs> that's my quote. And that's our quote. Paul's posse annihilating amyloidosis. Amy, thank you so much. You are a champion. Thanks. Thank you, Dr. Comenza, and thank you to everyone who keeps listening to the show um, and really shows that people with disabilities really want quality of life and want to make a change in America. This is Joyce Bender. Disability matters every single day on this show. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. See you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 